Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. I am Bo. He is Johnny. It is camp week. Buckeyes to report uh, this week. And away we go as uh, the new day has dawned. And Ryan Day will take over as coach of the Buckeyes in terms of fall camp, real camp, season, all of it. Big questions. We're going to get to all of them. I We wanted to address something right out of the gates, my friend. And this is uh, the recruiting. And I will be very candid with you that I don't pay as close of attention to this as I used to, especially at this time of year, because <laughs> of the propensity of these kids to change their mind. What feels like every three weeks, yeah. um, there was a time, um, and this is my get off the lawn moment for the day. There was a time when I first started covering big time college football in, in at Florida state and Florida, where if a kid was committed for the most part, he stuck to that commitment. Um, that meant that that's where he was going to college. And, and now uh, it doesn't mean much. And I think some of it's on the universities and some of it's on the kids. But that's a long way of saying that we've had an incredible summer of recruiting uh, from the Ohio State perspective, just stunning with what Halfley and especially Heartline are doing in recruiting um, all, you know, with Pantone and then Day and all of it. It's all working out. But there's been a, a bad weekend, I'm told, um, and that that there's now bad news coming with this um, Bijan Robinson kid, the five star running back out of Arizona. I, you know more about this than me, so I will yield the floor to you. But what I would say on this is my advice to you is to not get too worked up about anything that happens in August. Yeah. That if he signs on the line, which is dotted and it says Texas or wherever, then you can worry. When he shows up on campus, then you can worry. And the cautionary tale I would give you to this is that our starting quarterback originally committed to Penn State and the last two Heisman winners were both transfers. So there is so much fluidity to this stuff. If, if you have an update, though, I'd be happy to hear it. I just would caution people not to get too worked up about this stuff at this point. Yeah, Bill Carroll uh, switched. You know, he had the crystal ball thing, and he, he switched uh, Bijan away from Ohio State, and that kind of started this cascading, you know, freak out on Ohio State, you know, Twitter and and, and websites and things like that. And it's, you know, I think he's accurate. I, I think that, uh, you know, the what's being said out there is that Bijan is not no longer an Ohio State lock. He, you know, maybe looking at places like Texas, like you mentioned. And look, this dude is a five-star running back. And I know that as far as running backs go, that was a huge target for Ryan Day in this recruiting class. And that's something that they're going to have to, you know, that's a hole they're going to have to fill. But like you said, man, I mean, people want to believe that once a recruit says, all right, I'm all in for Ohio State, that there is no possible way that recruit could ever change their mind before signing day. But that's simply <laughs> not the case. And when you're a yeah. five-star running back, Sorry, it's they're they're going to recruit you until you play your first game of college yeah. football. Like that's just the way it's going to go. Right, and it sucks because I think he's an excellent player and he really could be a huge game changer for whatever team he ends up signing with. But yeah, man, I it's it's it is a little naive for someone, and I'm not saying you know all all fans were doing this, but if you believe that Bijan Robinson was 100 going to Ohio State simply because at one point. Earlier on in the recruiting process, he said he was committed. That's you really got to wait until the dude actually suits up for the the Buckeyes because it's just again that's the way college football recruiting works. And just because he's you know made it a commitment to Ohio State doesn't mean that's a lock or solid or anything. Especially with the new coach and Ryan Day, guys like Tom Herman and Nick Saban, all these other guys, they're gonna they're gonna try to test that immediately. Yeah, and in this case, it seems like it worked. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll, it's going to continue to be so I, and I do think that, that while we've had an incredible summer, it's been above expectations. Oh yeah. Um, it's far exceeded expectations. And so what, what really needs to be seen if you're this kid or anybody else, especially the defensive players, I know we're waiting on commitments there too, but if right. you're def defensive players or you're this B. John Robinson kid, you want to see what, what JK Dobbins junior year looks like. Right. You know, you want to see right. is JK Dobbins going to run for 1700 yards this year. Um, you know, that's, that's the thing that it has to be seen. I mean, this isn't the offense that Zeke Elliott ran for 1800 yards in it's a different offense. So, um, I, I think that it's kind of a wait and see thing. And I, again, I just would not panic. I think um, that's an excellent point with that because they're definitely, especially if you're a running back recruit, you're going to go like, well, am I even going to get the ball more than 10 times a game? Yeah. And 
and that's a reasonable like I think you would reasonable. a lot of it was just largely due to personnel and things like that last season but I just you know that is something where it's a reasonable you know thing you would wonder have a concern about it's absolutely fair to for a kid to do that and honestly um we're so far um from any of the, these things being locked in stone right. um recruiting classes can crumble coaches can be fired there's a million things that can happen between now and and national signing day. So I know it's hard because we get, you know, fever, especially this time of year, right? Cause we don't really have games. We don't have anything we can really discuss. So we just have a lot of this type of stuff <laughs> to fill the time until they start practicing. So, right. um, you know, look, maybe you get it, maybe you don't, there, there are plenty of five-star kids who haven't hit too. Um, for all the ones that hit, I think the last was the last consensus five-star running back. We had Beanie Wells. I don't remember That's if Zeke was right. consensus. I know he was five yeah. star in some, but I don't think he was a consensus five star. And right. Beanie was a five star. So we've been fine running the football for all these years with some who aren't. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't issues at that position. And as we go to the five burning questions facing Ryan Day as he prepares to take the Buckeyes uh, to his first fall camp as the head coach, he did it last year, of course, from an, on an interim basis. But this is his program now, and I think we start at number five, and this is a perfect segue into number five, which is the depth, unproven depth at the two most important offensive positions has to be short out. And I'm talking, of course, of running back and at quarterback. Um, let's start with quarterback. This is number five, num at quarterback with Justin Fields. So Justin Fields is unproven, and then behind him, it's unproven with Gunnar Hope <laughs> uh, and, there, and, and so forth. So it it it's it's a position where that position will get into Justin Fields and the expectations for him. Trust me, he's coming in the five things. Um, but off the top, the the lack of of experienced players at quarterback and at running back behind J.K. Dobbins, where with Brian Sneed, uh, you know, being forced out, it's Master Teague and Demario McCall are the two names behind. And Demario McCall has been in the doghouse his entire career. Now maybe that's different with Urban. Uh, being gone maybe he'll get out of that doghouse but he's been in it forever and so it's just master teague behind jk dobbins who was in a timeshare the last couple of years with mike weber so this is something that has to get sorted out over the course of the next month obviously fields will get every opportunity to start but then hoke behind him what does that look like and then who steps up behind dobbins if there's an injury to dobbins you can't stop you got to still have to be able to run the football and who's the one who's going to be able to do that yeah, and, and what's interesting to me is that especially at the running back position, you're looking at guys with completely different skill sets, right? That yeah, they look none of these nothing the same. None of these guys are the same. And, and so if you're looking for a guy who's going to continue to like maintain whatever offense that you had been running, it's gonna be real hard yeah. for a guy like Demario McCall and Master Teague to try to fill in the same role as a JK Dobbins. They just can't all three of them are completely different players. One quick thing that I want to mention about uh, uh, Chris Chuganov <laughs> just got a profile picture on Ohio State's uh, official, like Ohio State Buckeyes website today. So that's very nice for him. <laughs> Did he? Yes. Yes, he finally got a oh, headshot. I, I don't even know what the kid looks like. Let me, I got to find it. I got to, you keep talking while I look up his picture yeah, just so I can identify him. He's got the very serious, you know, he's doing the he's doing the straight ahead on on you know here to play kind of thing. But it's just it's hilarious to me that the oh, guy there he is. he's a headband yeah. guy. Yeah, he's got the headband on. Okay. Like, he looks good, you know. Um, it's just it's it's funny to me because it really is, you know, kind of you know, fields are bust at this point. <laughs> because yeah. like I mean again, and nothing against, you know, nothing against Chugs. I mean, the dude is here because he can play a little football, but it's, it's not the drop off from the ones to the twos really is precipitous at those two positions. And that man, you got to keep, you got to keep those guys healthy. You really, really do. And it's man, it, as, as this camp goes on um, managing their training, managing, you know, expectations, things like that, what they're going to do to try to prepare for the season is a big part of what Ryan day is going to have to figure out. Yeah, and I, I think when you add to it what I believe to be the reality of that for this team, especially early, winning the surest way will be with Fields running and J.K. running. So yeah. they're going to get hit. Those two guys are going to hit a lot. Yeah. And, and you know, with, with who's behind them from just an unproven or just from a talent standpoint at being a significant drop-off, 
I, to me, it's a major cause for concern. And they, they do have to find some people that they can, that they can rely upon at those two spots. And, and this goes without going into the fact that fields is entirely unproven. Right. Um, so, so when people <laughs> say, look, Brian day better win 11 and 10 games or whatever, pay attention to what's being discussed here. Like this is, this is as thin as Ohio State has been at quarterback since it was Joe Bozerman and the freshman Braxton Miller. I mean, it's you got to go back that long. I mean, we've been spoiled with what? the quarterback situation. You're not wrong, but that is like the worst possible comparison that I want to think about right now. Nobody wants to hear it, but I mean, no, I that yielded Braxton. The second half of that year yielded Braxton, but yeah. that's as, that's how little depth there is here. Um, yeah. It's paper thin when when you I think just, about it. I just hope Chris Chuganov is not like a forest manager, you know, management major or something like that. I really want him to stay as far away from the legacy of Joe Bowserman <laughs> as humanly possible. That's the poor just... Joe. You'll never live it down. Um, <laughs> and the same thing behind JK. I mean, I don't recall yeah. us being that thin at running back in a really long time. Right. You know, that, that it's very thin and it's really unproven. There just isn't, we've been spoiled. I mean, you know, to go with from Carlos Hyde straight to Zeke, to Ze- you know, it was Carlos and Zeke on the team together. Then it was Zeke and Mike Weber pretty close back to back together. And then it was Dobbins and Weber. Like we've always had two. We've had a pair, you know, one and a spare. And right. it's just not going to be that way at running back this year or at, or at quarterback. Um, quarterback, speaking of, it gets us to number four on our list of five questions facing Ryan Day. And this is one that I hope Buckeye fans really hear. And I'm, yeah, I try to preach this. Um, but can Justin Fields be 80% of what is expected by the fan base? Not <laughs> by the coaches, but by the fan base, because he he's not going to be 100% of what you expect. Um, it's going to be a little learning curve here. He's not as – he's I don't believe him to be as polished as Trevor Lawrence. Like, that's not what this is going to be. So um, can he be 80% of it? Because really success will come and go with however his right arm and his feet produce. Right. Let me can I let me ask you this. How do you think how satisfied do you think LSU fans were with Joe Burrow last season? Well, the key part of that question is is LSU fans. Right. I would say that probably those of us up here thought that he underwhelmed, but LSU fans have been treated to such a poo-poo platter at quarterback. <laughs> That's a good that point. Yes. For them, he walks right. I'm sure he comes close to walking on water. I think they love him. Um because of how bad it's been. But I think we looked at it and said, boy, I thought he'd be a little bit better. Yeah. Well, then I would say that you're right. It's an expectations game because if you come in and have to follow up the performance of Dwayne Haskins and you're this highly touted recruit and you have all these skills and, you know, everybody thinks that you're you know going to be this next great quarterback, then I agree with you. It's going to be really, really hard to live up to those expectations. I, I, I really think if people are focused on, his completion percentage and how many yards he gets per game. I don't know that that's the best metric to judge him by this season. I think the best metric to judge him by is wins and losses and how, whether or not he's taking care of the football. If you can do that, I I think you have a lot to build on in the next, you know, couple seasons, but um, I just don't think, I think he has all the talent in the world. I just don't think you're going to see a mind-bending statistical season like maybe a lot of people are expecting. That's where I think a lot of the disappointment's going to come in. And yeah, it should people don't expect for me. That. It's all about wins and losses. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know this is a dynamic offense. He came here to be developed into a pro-style quarterback. In his mind, he probably came here to be here two years. His right. this year and his junior year, and then go pro. That's the type of talent he believes he is. I'm sure that's the type of talent that Ryan Day thinks he can make him to be. But you've, he's, this is a two-year plan, right? Like, it doesn't yeah. all have to come this year. Um, he's going to play here next year, too. So it's a two-year plan with Justin Fields. And he's. I think this will be something that by the time you get to November, he could be a completely different quarterback than he's going to be the first month and a half um, just because it's going to come fast and furious for him. He's going to get so much game experience thrown into the fire. Now, the good news is, is there's nothing too scary – in the beginning of the schedule, it's it's all pretty manageable. Um, there's that date at Lincoln that could get a little bit dicey, but um, you know, I you know, you like you're going to have more talent in that game. You'll have more talent in every game you play um, all season long, and so as long as he, um, you know, they they can. I think my what I would tell you, Buckeye fan, is this: that they will win the surest way a lot early, and it might not be as flashy as you're used to, 
um, but they will win the surest way early on, and they'll just let their talent bleed out games and they'll win games. I think that's the way this will, this could go early because of Fields' youth, his inexperience, and what we just previously mentioned with item number five, which is the lack of depth behind him and J.K. Dobbins. Right. Yeah, no, and that's what you have to do. And especially if you're trying to get him confident and settled into the offense, you're, you're going to try to win the surest way possible. Good news is, is that you have a great wide receiver core that can help him out. And really you have starting, a yeah. lot of leadership on the team that he doesn't necessarily have to step into the, you know, the Barrett role, right? Where he's getting everybody pumped up and he's the clear, like spiritual leader of the team. You don't need that yet. And, and that's, no. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see who, you know, emerges as that maybe focal point, because I really do think you're not going to see, you know, this kind of leadership by committee. I think there will be a couple of guys who will emerge um, as kind of the the voice of the team, but it doesn't have to be fields yet, which is good because he's still learning and he's still going to have to figure this stuff out. And I, to, to his credit, I think he understands that, which is good. Oh, I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about Ryan day. I'm not worried about any of that. I'm worried yeah. about our fan base realizing that. Yeah. Because I don't need to see him booed a month into the season. Oh, no, that would be ridiculous. Six of 15 or something ridiculous. in the first half. Uh, you know, I, I have no interest in that. So I, I the, the whole I'm doing this to hopefully prevent that. From, that's the whole reason I talk about is prevent that yeah. from happening. I have no interest in that. Totally um, understand. Whatsoever. Uh, which brings us to number three in the first time that we go to the other side of the ball. And so we've talked about Dobbins and Fields and the depth. We've talked about Fields being a young guy. And then you say to yourself, well, we had a record-setting quarterback last year. We had a first-round pick quarterback. We had wide receiver talent everywhere that's playing in the NFL this year. And and we did not get to the college football playoff. And the reason for that is what? And the reason for that most especially was defense. And the defense was just absolutely atrocious a year ago, which gets us to number three, which is the question, will the defense be fixed with the new coaches? So Halfley can recruit it. Uh, Washington recruited and Matson's an old old guy who's been around a long time. We took two from Michigan and um and the hope is is that you get that sorted out on the defensive side of the ball. It is many of the same players uh that were there a year ago. There are guys that are can't miss like Jeff Akuda who's going to be a first round pick at corner and Chase Young who's going to be as a chance to be one of the top 5 picks in the draft. There's young players like Zach Harrison, Taraja Mitchell. There's all this talent out there. Uh, but it has to be put together and put in the best position to succeed. I, I'm lucky enough to get to talk to a lot of former linebackers in my day job. <laughs> and um, and and their consistent feeling a year ago is that the defense was not put in the best position to succeed a year ago. And so the question for Ryan Day going into his first full camp as the head coach is, can Washington, Matson, especially Matson, Halfley to a lesser extent, can they, along, of course, uh, with Big L up front, can they get this defense back to what it was under Luke Fickle? Who, so <laughs> who would you pick for a linebacker core? The 2019 Ohio State linebacking core or <laughs> the guys on 97.1, the fans stepping immediately onto the Like field. right in? <laughs> Like right now, so you'd have you'd have so Schlegel coming in occasionally. You got Schlegel, Bobby, you got Perry, Laurinaitis. Yeah, Joshua Would you Perry, take them now? Laurinaitis, Bobby, and and Schlegs. Yeah. <laughs> over well, over the 2019 over iteration the, of the linebacking court. Jeez, that's that's pretty <laughs> funny. To be honest, that's pretty damn funny. Um, I've seen Bobby. Bobby went to my. I saw Bobby recently at uh, my gym about a couple mm -hmm. months ago. That He's dude unreal. is still damn huge. He is still a big dude. He is. Like, it's it's he has not like slacked off in his time since the NFL. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask those guys that. I'll ask okay. them if they think they hear, could be as effective. I'll I'll get you an update on that. I'll I'll get okay. you an update to that. Uh, defensive <laughs> the defensive line. With Young and then the freshman Harrison, of course, Jonathan Cooper back on defensive end and Landers uh, anchoring the middle. You love that. and You love him as a personality. It's really the linebackers, Malik Harrison, Taraja Mitchell, uh, tough Borland, Baron Browning, who's a huge recruit who just has not materialized and maybe yeah. has had to think too much. Pete Werner's still there as well. You know, so that group has to come together. Um, and get those things sorted out. Akuda is going to be great. I think Arnett will be fine. I think Sean Wade could take a big leap. And Jordan Fuller's Jordan Fuller. So, I mean, they have the talent. It's linebacker that's got to be better. And they've got to be put in a position to succeed, something I don't think they were put into last year. 
Yeah, and to me, the biggest thing is just how are they going to scheme this up? Are there going to be any kind of, I you know, discrepancies, problems in communication, things like that? How is this defensive staff going to be able to work together to create a coherent scheme that players that I think a lot of times were confused in their assignments and, and not really understanding what they were supposed to do and how to play within the system? You didn't see a very coherent solid core that really understood what they were doing last season on defense. I want to see if it has been simplified and they understand assignments and what people are supposed to be doing. If that's the case, I, you know, even at linebacker, I think there's plenty of talent. It just felt like they were all over the place last season. And I I want to see them, uh, you know, all on the same page and able to respond to each other and do what they need to do because uh, we just got talent goes. Yeah. I mean, run game. Just gas. Yeah, and you shouldn't have – you look at the Maryland game, right, where they oh, give God. up you know, 280-some yards right. of rushing, and, and, and one of those is an 81-yard run. That, that shouldn't happen, right? And a Maryland running back, I understand they're Division I football player, and I'm, I'm, you know, they're talented players, should not happen against no. an Ohio State defense, especially no. with the kind of players that you can bring to bear. So I just – you know – too much miscommunication, too much confusion, and I, I want to see that kind of eliminated. Doesn't matter if you give up, you know, an occasional long run or you give up twenty points a game sometimes. But if you are on the same page, you can eliminate crazy shootouts like against Maryland, and you can eliminate really stupid upsets like against Purdue and Iowa. So that, that yeah. that's what I want to see kind of tamped down. I don't. They don't need to be all world. They don't need to be the silver bullet. Oh they're giving no. up, you know, sixty yards of rushing in game. But they got to be more coherent, and that's what I really want to see. You can't have Rondale Moore running free eighty yards every other play. No, and that we had a steady diet of that last year. Yeah, you know, where there were just these huge plays that were given up. Um, so we'll see if Madison can can get that sorted out. Uh, we went through the talent. There's a ton of NFL talent. So if they got to be put in the right position to succeed, and they've got to be sure tacklers. It was something that they weren't a year ago. Uh, number two for me on the uh, five big questions facing Ryan Day as he goes into his first uh, full fall camp as the head coach at Ohio State is a critical one, and it it's it's I I hope I hope that there's some caution when you're hearing this if you're a Buckeye fan. He has to replace four or five starters on the offensive line. So we've already talked about the unproven nature of fields, the lack of talent and experience behind him. We've talked already about J.K. Dobbins, who is proven, but the lack of um, a lack of proven talent behind him. And now I'm going to tell you, you got to replace four or five starters on the offensive line. The only position grouping on this team that's a known sure thing is re- the receiving core, which right. is stunning because they lost kids to the NFL. But they're still that talented at receiver. Um, so you feel very good about that. But at offensive line, it's four or five new starters to go with a freshman quarterback. Might as well be really first time, full time playing and not a lot of depth. And this is you're, you're talking about. These are some names that, you know, in recruiting Nicholas Petit Farrar certainly remember, you know, Josh Myers, Jonah Jackson, Thayer Mumford, Wyatt Davis. Those are the names you'll be hearing. Um, and that has this has to be it's number two for a reason in terms of the on field product. To me, it's number one. It's the one thing that has to get sorted out over this month is this offensive line has to go from an unproven one with four or five new starters to one that is is that you feel confident you can run the football behind uh, by the time you get to the end of August. Yeah, they're talented. I mean, the guys on the the starting, you know, the starting guys that you're going to come with are good. I, I think they have a lot of talent. They can be really, really good. For me, the biggest issue is depth. And the way they rotate guys in and out, or at least I have in the past, is you got to make sure that you are having fresh legs on a regular basis. If there is yeah. significant drop off when you have to, you know, let's say we're going to a more rushing base offense because they're really locking down our receivers, or they're going to man or something like that. We want to try to exploit that. Well, then you're going to have to make sure that you guys, you you have guys that can come in and really perform that uh, skill and do that job and, and get things done. Because if you don't have depth, if people get injured. It's it really will hurt you when the real meat of the schedule starts to show up in around mid-October. And so, and, and, and if you don't have that, um, you're going to have some problems. So I, they need to stay healthy and they've got to live up to their potential. They really do. And it's a, it is a lot to ask. It is um, you mentioned the talent, the lack of depth, the, un, it's not, 
look, all if you if you're sensing a common theme here, there is one. It's 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 not that there's not talent. It's just unproven. Yeah. Um. It's <laughs> is so what it questions. is. I mean, no. It's we we haven't gone into us even if Urban were here, this would be a rebuild. This would yeah. not be considered a. You know, twelve and one. The reason you hear people say twelve and one, eleven and two, all that stuff. It's a couple of things. Number one, the overall talent that you're more talented than everyone else in the Big Ten, but also the fact that the schedule is very welcoming to growth. I mean, there's not an Oklahoma sitting there with Baker Mayfield. That game's not waiting for you. You don't have right. a game in the first month where you look at it and go, holy hell. I mean, it's Cincinnati. It's FAU. I mean, it's very manageable. So it's a team that can grow as the season goes along. But we have not gone into a season like this with this much uncertainty, unproven talent, talent, but unproven talent in a very long time, in a very long time that we've had this much unproven talent. Yeah, I would say it's six or seven years where you're really looking at, you know, this many question marks around the team. And it's not, you know, again, it, it's not about it's not about whether or not they're going to win games and things like that. It's it's what your expectations are and what you want the team to be. And if your expectations are, this is a team that could reach the college football playoffs or something like that. Well, they got a long way to go to get to that. Yeah. If, if you, if you're looking for a successful season, 10 wins, whatever, that's reasonable. But if, if you really expect Ryan day to continue to win big 10 championships, be in the contention for, for college football playoffs, you know, win Rose Bowls, et cetera, there's a lot of work that has to be done between the beginning of August and when football season starts, because it is, it is a such a small time frame to get the team in the right state of mind, to lock down your scheme, to figure out who's going to be starters and in critical positions that you still haven't figured out yet. It's, it is so much work that has to be done. And again, what is always fascinating me, I always, I always bring this up every football season. What always fascinates me is the evolution of a football team over the course of a season. And in this season, I think I am more locked in on that concept and and, and how various yeah. groups are going to perform I and agree. change than, than a season, you know, in, in the last five or seven years, because there is so much in flux. And I just think that's fascinating in one sense and also really like nerve wracking in another sense. And I'm actually excited for it. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, Me too. I'm really Wonka on the boat. Like I, I just, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's terrible. I just <laughs> it's it always a little scary. It's a little more scary than it needs to be. Frankly, I just watched that with my kids <laughs> over the weekend. It's a little dicey. Wonka's yeah, kind is. of a jerk at the end, to be honest. He is. He's, he's a little he's bit a of a jerk. jerk. They show like yeah. a chicken getting its head cut off in that sequence or something like that. I yeah, don't... it's pretty wild. I, there's yeah. really no reason for it. It's my kids freak out every time. It's a it's a bit much. I don't know what the That's hell fair. they were thinking. Um, we have five through two of the big questions facing Ryan Day have all been about uh, players, depth, lack of experience, so forth and so on. You can tell before we even get to number one that it makes sense that people pick Michigan, even though they've <laughs> beat us in forever. Like it makes yeah. sense why they have um and this next one only adds to that because the next one is can ryan day handle all of this he handled um last year he's shown every reason to believe that he can he's recruiting like crazy um he was great last year when we saw him he was great through the spring he was great at big 10 media days all those things but last year in the games he coached and in the practice he coached it was still very much urban's team i mean i believe last uh, fall camp mickey broke down and started practice and ryan just stayed with the offense the defensive coaches stayed with the defense so this is a incredible departure from that from from what it was now this is his program and how does he handle failure and how does he handle if somebody gets in trouble those type of questions this is a guy that's been walking on cloud nine for a while he has not faced any adversity as the head coach and a year ago uh, was basically shielded from everything. I think there was one availability last fall, just one before he played a game. I think yeah. there's just one. Um, so there was no questioning of anything. And when he was questioned, it was mostly about Urban, right? And so right. he's <laughs> never nobody been, cared about Ryan Day. No, he's never been questioned <laughs> on anything. And this is a guy who, like I say, has crushed everything to this point, but is has never been a head coach until now, and he gets to coach here where there's yeah. a little different pressure and expectation as we're going through this than anywhere else. And the thing is, I mean, you talked about, you know, adversity if somebody gets in trouble or you, know, you lose a game or whatever. The thing about this for Ryan Day is that 
the bad things that happen, the adversity that happens, and it's, it's going to happen at some point, it's going to be the first time he's had to deal with that in a lot of ways, right? I mean, this is yeah. not a guy who is a experienced head coach who has, you know, done a oh, bunch no. of, you know, different jobs at max schools and whatnot. This no. is a guy who's coming into Ohio State, one of the most high-intensity, high-pressure football jobs in the entire country, professional, college, whatever. And he's going to have every, every incident, everything that happens, whether you win by 50 or you lose a close one or you win a close, it's going to be the first time he's going to handle that. And there's no real way to prepare for it. You can't, you cannot, you can prepare all you want. You can, you can say, okay, this is what I'd say. This is what I do. But until you're actually in the moment, there's no way to really predict how you're going to react to a certain situation. And no. That I mean, you know, it's the same for his team, but for Ryan Day himself, I mean, this is this is a big, big test, and every game is going to be like that. It does again. It doesn't matter whether it's in September or November. Every game is going to be a test because everything's going to be new. And I again, for me, that's endlessly fascinating. But for Ryan yeah. Day, I can imagine that's got to be really nerve wracking. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, it does. And he's. Um, there, you, I just think when you add all of this up and I saw the sporting news, our buddy, Bill Bender put out his, you know, his most updated top 25 going into the season, just released it today. And they had us fourth. Um, and, and you say to yourself, (laughs) pressure, that's fine. You're fourth in the country with the questions that I had. I don't, if urban's the coach, you got major questions, major questions. If urban's the coach, he's known, known commodity. He's not the coach. Right. So. He's not the coach. Ryan Day is. He's crushed everything to this point. I'm optimistic. It's as excited as I've been. I was so excited for last season because of Haskins and because of the the whispers I heard about what he could be. And then off of that, I had the projection of greatness for the team and for him. And much of that was realized. I honestly have no idea what to expect here. (laughs) I really don't. I mean, I think the schedule sets up very favorably. But in terms of the questions and the five that we just went through, these are real. I mean, there's yeah. nothing here that's hyped up. It's not a bunch of nonsense. There are real questions with unproven talent and a first-year head coach. So this thing, to me, there's a wide scope that could happen here. I think it. I think it. The only thing that prevents it from being even wider is just that there's not that much from a challenge standpoint on the on the schedule. Yeah. Well, and and. People may take that for granted, too. They may say, okay, well, if Ohio State's got this thing solid for the first couple of months or the first month, right? Yeah. And like, okay, well, then we're just going to cruise for the rest of the season. I don't <laughs> – that would be the worst thing to say yeah. to yourself because, yeah, you can you can do well on talent and beat teams through, you know, basically just having better players alone. And, and that is a huge part of the f- college football, you know, game. But, like, man, it, it is – there's going to be a switch that flips at some point in the season. And I think we'll all recognize that, you know, like shit has gotten really real really quickly. And you know, that happened, that happened all the time with urban Meyer teams. You would yeah. see, you know, them getting to close games with Penn state. You're like, we should be beating the crap out of Penn state. Well, sorry. No, we've got to stay just miraculous, like fourth quarter comeback, right? Where JT yeah. is essentially perfect. And if he isn't, yeah. they lose the game. Those kind of things have to happen for you to have a legendary season. You don't, you don't just stumble into that. You don't just, you know, are better no. than people. And then it happens. You have to make it happen. And so that comes through coaching that goes through, um, you know, scheme and skill. And, and those are things that Ryan day is going to have to build up and teach as the season goes on, but it doesn't, it's not automatic. And, and that's what no. I want people to understand. It, it's gotta be built. And that's, incredibly interesting to watch but it also doesn't guarantee anything and that's something that i think is really going to be the theme of the season i agree yeah i agree with you it's i i'm through i'm jacked for it i can't wait for them uh to get started on friday i wish we could see more of it but i i did see there's going to be quite a bit of availability this fall as opposed to last year uh so at least you'll have a little better feel about what's happening um but it's it's going to be it's going to be a lot to it this thing's going to come at you fast and I yeah. think it's a, it's going to be a long, I think what you're going to, you know, and I mean this positively, the team that you're going to have in August is could be dramatically different in, in November, just dramatically. Yeah. Um, because one thing that urban left is a cupboard full of talent. It's unproven. Um, and as I said, this would be, a, this would be a rebuilding year if urban was here. So the idea that it's somehow not because it's Ryan is lunacy. I mean, it's yeah. going to be, if this is a rebuilding <laughs> year for Ohio state now, what does a rebuilding year at Ohio State look like? Does that mean ten and two? Does it mean nine and three? 
Damn, well, better not mean eight and four. I'm not sure we can yeah. handle that. But, <laughs> you know, does it mean nine and three, ten and two? What What is how do you define rebuilding at Ohio State? And the good news is, is that the rest of the league is pretty much rebuilding as well. I mean, there's right. big question marks at Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan. There's big question marks everywhere. So there, we're not this isn't like walking into the Big Ten of a couple of years ago. You know, where Michigan had all the talent, the Jabril Pepper senior year, where Michigan had all the defensive talent and Penn State had McSorley and Saquon Barkley. This isn't that. Um, you know, the Big Ten, I think, will be down overall. And, you know, potentially we can take advantage of that and, and have, a, have a great season. But nevertheless, a rebuilding season as you go through the, the five big questions as we start camp on Friday. I want to remind you be sure to visit 11 Warriors for dry goods for shirts, hats, stickers, and more, drygoods.11warriors.com. Also, please don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, we have some time for some Ask Us Anything, my friend. What do you have for us? Well, please continue sending these fascinating Ask Us Anything questions to Dubcast. Yeah, I love them. I absolutely love them. It's my favorite Uh, part. Dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. This first one is from our good friend Suncard. This is an interesting question. He says, what are some incredible weight loss stories that you have seen in person and how do they do it? Well, the most incredible one that I've seen, I've seen two recently, but the most stunning one is Joe Thomas, the future first ballot Hall of Famer of the Cleveland Browns at left tackle, who I do some stuff with and um, have gotten to know and is just a incredible human being, but who played at 330 pounds. Yeah. Um, and now is about 220. It's and, crazy. Um, basically what he does, oh, I hope I get this right. He'd be pissed at me if I didn't. He still works out the way he worked out as a player. He just doesn't eat as much. And so he just eats mostly meats and vegetables. He's basically cut out carbs entirely or nearly entirely. Um, He still drinks beer and stuff like that, but cut out the big carbs. And he told me this amazing story about how he would eat like 7,000, 6,000, 7,000 calories in a day, um, you know, during training camp and stuff to put on bulk and put on mass. And now that, and to the point where you'd almost want to vomit and he would, and now that he doesn't have to do that anymore, like he, you can't believe how happy he is. Like his legs don't hurt nothing. I mean, he just looks spectacular. Now I realize this is an elite athlete who's going to be a first ballot <laughs> NFL Hall of Famer. Uh, so if you were looking for a story of you know personal weight loss or buddy mine, I don't have one, but I do have one from Joe, and it's. I mean, he's lost over hundred pounds. It's pretty stunning to just. He's almost recogni- unrecognizable, and so so much so that he was paid uh, by Universal Windows Direct to do advertising up in Cleveland, and they put him on the billboard, not in a uniform because it's not you know, affiliated with the NFL or the Browns. So it's just him in like a polo. And people thought he was just like a window installer. They didn't realize (laughs) it was Joe Thomas because he didn't even look the same. (laughs) That's fantastic. Um, So I have two, I would say, first of all, I, what, what linemen offensive and defensive linemen have to do in football to maintain their size and stuff is just, it is so taxing on their body. It just, it, it blows my mind what they have to under, you know, undertake and, and deal with um, as football players. And then even afterwards when they're dealing with, you know, injuries with their knees and their back and all that kind of stuff, it's just, it, it's crazy. So good for Joe. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, another offensive lineman, JB Sugarts, uh, Sugarts uh, lost a ton of weight after his playing days. We actually yeah. did a, um, a story on him. Uh, on 11 warriors and he's, he's doing all kinds of different stuff. Uh, but he, I mean, unrecognizable, just completely like you look at pictures from him when he was playing at Ohio state and now, and it's, it's, it's a completely different person. Um, and then one personal one I have, I had a student uh, who lost a ton of weight and his biggest thing was, he just said, I just got moving. Like I, he came back after he graduated and I was like, man, you look great. You're, how are you feeling? He's like, I'm feeling great. And he just said, I just started walking like every day, you know, when I thought about being sedentary, sitting down, you know, I wasn't working or whatever. I was like, I just got up and moved and, and I, he just kept going. And, you know, a lot of it was like not eating, you know, three bags of chips while you're bored at school every yeah. day too. But it was also just, just the activity that he, he made sure that he was sticking on. So that, I mean, that kid looks completely different. So good for them. Um, 
All right, so this next one here, this is interesting. This is from Cody. Cody says, with some Ohio schools in recent years either deciding to cease playing football, uh, i.e. Miller Sport in 2018-2019, or going to maybe six, eight, nine-man football programs because of low turnout, what are your overall thoughts on the potential impact or popularity of maybe having like a non-11-man football type sport within OSHA? So would Ohio be able to kind of transfer to a less traditional football you know, sport. Of course it would. It'd be fine. Um, And I think in in many instances, it's it's better. It's what I played growing up. I played six and eight man football in Montana. It's rural. um, And we had a hundred kids in the high school. So a hundred kids, K through 12, not the high school, K through 12. We had 40 kids in the high school. Um, So you had 22 boys, so you can't do it. So would you rather have a team or not? Of course you would. The brand of football is exciting. It's wide open. It's played on an 80-yard field in both eight and six-man. And I think it makes a lot of sense because what I would tell you is it's better than co-oping with other programs because if you have a six- or eight-man team, it allows your town to keep its identity. And it allows you to keep your football, which is a a part of the fabric of Ohio on a Friday night. So – I'm all for this. And if you're fearful of it, don't be. It's great. It's great football. Um, It's still the same. You know, it's the same. But you have to do something for the shrinking numbers. And the shrinking numbers are real. They will continue to shrink. Um, I really believe that the NFL, uh, they'll never do it because they don't want the liability. But I think the NFL should step in and say, make some mandatory rule across. They have the power over all mm-hmm. football to say, we are not going to sanction any football in this country, tackle football in this country until you're in the seventh grade, I think would be plenty. You talk to oh, Bobby agreed. Carpenter, yeah. Lauren Idith, and all those guys, they all say there's no reason to hit anybody before the seventh or eighth grade. Um, yeah. So I think that would help get the, keep the numbers up. I'll tell you a story. I'm up in the Hudson area, and they have this thing called Hawks, Hawks football, little guy football. Well, it was tackle up until recent years, even for like first and second graders. So they took the tackle aspect out of it, and they had very few numbers in the tackle. When they took the tackle aspect out of it, I think until the third or fourth grade, and I'd like to frankly see it much later, uh, but they took the tackle aspect out of it, and their numbers tripled in a year. Um, So much of the problem is, is the kids are not falling in love with the sport before there's contact and it's an easy fix. And so that's a two pronged answer to the question, but, but I'm pretty passionate about it. And that, I think it's a real simple fix. No, I, I completely agree with you. I think that it is definitely a viable alternative. I think it's the idea that they have tackle football at all before middle school is, is ludicrous to me. I, this is one of the first things I ever wrote for 11 Warriors, but I did a thing about peewee football and I, I basically just went through YouTube and looked for, you know, hit stick highlights for peewee football. And you've got literal six and seven year olds just battering into each other with their helmets, crying on the ground. And everybody's like screaming, you lit them up. And I'm like, this yeah. is insane. It is. We're giving yeah. second graders concussions because we can't think of an alternative yeah. to crazy. this. It's insane. It is absolutely yeah. crazy. So, I absolutely think that if you can convince parents that, okay, when they're young, we're going to teach them fundamentals. We're going to make this a safer sport. Yeah. They'll want to do that more often. I just, I think there has to be changes in the way things are done. People are really, really stubborn. They they want to continue the thing that they grew up with. And I understand that. All right. I get it. If that's something that you loved and you loved watching and participating in when you were in high school, that's great. You want to see that continue, but it's not always viable. It's not always possible. Right. And with the way numbers are, it, it's it's got to change in some way. I you know I did a I did another article about um, basically like FBS and S, FCS schools and and how yeah. they fund their athletic departments. Football is an incredibly expensive proposition. It is yeah. not a cheap sport to maintain or run. And you are asking students to subsidize you know athletic departments that can't make any money and yet they still maintain this incredibly expensive sport but at the high school level you even see that where you're seeing people who are in the district like okay well we really want to have this prestige sport but it doesn't make any sense for our district because we only have you know 150 kids at our school but by god we're going to have this and it's just it doesn't you got to have something else and and it I understand again the the nostalgia aspect of it. I, I get that. Like I I played sports when I was a kid that I would like to see my kids be able to play those same sports, but at a certain point it's just not practical. 
And, you know, as, as this, as was mentioned in the, the question by Cody here, you know, you've got to give it up. Like there, look, if you're a school, <laughs> there are other priorities. And if you want to maintain football in some form, you got to let it change. And if you don't, then it's going to go away. And I just, you know, I'm with you, man. There are alternatives and they're still fun to watch. There's still a good fundamental aspect of what you think of as football. And that's, it's, it's, it's got to change. You just got to change sometimes. I mean, not everybody, not everybody's going to have a district with 800,000 kids in it. That's just, that's just the way it works. So, yeah. Um, our last question here, this is from our good friend, Alvin. Um, Alvin wants to know, this is, <laughs> we could this probably dude, tell. Alvin's questions are stunning. I mean, he just always yeah, has but- that. It's incredible effort. <laughs> I look, I could spend probably an hour on this one question alone, but he wants to know, will Ohio or Columbus ever have a successful public transportation system? If so, how should it be handled or work? I will say real quick, Columbus does has a successful transportation system. Coda is a good bus system. People use it all the time. They're, you know, modernizing their fleet. Uh, That's it's, it's not a, it's, it's not used by a, the people who you know criticize it, but it is a good bus system. But there are other things that we can do. I want to know from you, Bo. Would you want to take a train? Would you be willing to take a train from, let's say, Cleveland to Columbus to Cincinnati? Is that a train that you would ride with? Any I kind would. Of- sure. Yeah. I mean, I'd make that trip a lot, and I made it today. And I would rather have have it be on a train so I could relax and read. And I mean, it's seventy one north or southbound is Talladega. I mean, it's insane. So yeah. yeah, I would. I don't think it's practical uh, for there to be one, and I think that I think that if there was ever to be one, I think connecting Cleveland and Columbus makes sense. But Cincinnati almost feels like a different country to me. Um, <laughs> so I don't know that that one would make as. But it seems like there's a lot of commerce between Cleveland and Columbus. But yeah. I think more specifically, I think the city of Columbus would thrive with an L. You know, if you could connect some of the suburbs to downtown um, with an elevated train, I mean, I think that'd be wonderful. I don't know that anyone's ever going to do it. I doubt it'll ever happen. But I do think that there is, as the city continues to grow and people, I mean, it'd be sweet to be able to take a train from, you know, downtown to campus or downtown to Dublin or Worthington. or That'd be awesome to be able to do that. I don't sense it ever happening, but I think it, I think that the city's damn near big enough to be able to do it. Well, here's the so here's the thing with Columbus, and people like to cite this that Columbus is the largest you know city in the United States without a you know a light rail system, right? That's that's the often cited statistic, and it's true. Columbus is is you know one of the largest cities in the country, one of the largest cities you know frankly in the world without a light rail system. Problem with Columbus is that it's a post World War II city, so you've got the 270 loop, which you know basically you know pins in the rest of Columbus, and then you have all of these you know suburbs that ring it and the idea was is that okay well if you're going to have light rail if you're going to have some kind of trolley system which columbus did have at one point then you're going to want to try to draw people from the inner city to other parts of the inner city but columbus wasn't built that way and because the 270 loop which you know came across obviously after world war ii and connected all of these these suburbs to the downtown it's not it wasn't seen as necessary and so the idea is that yeah you can people can leave the you know, they can leave the the central part of the city almost as soon as they can get in and they don't have to worry about that stuff. The problem is for me, as far as light rail goes, I think it is something that Columbus could benefit from. The problem yeah. really is kind of the mentality of where things are being built in the city and how citizens of Columbus view where they live. Columbus also geographically is really spread out, right? It's, it's, it's yeah, a really time. large geographic footprint. If somebody in Westerville or somebody in Dublin views themselves views themselves as a citizen of Westerville or Dublin and not a citizen of Columbus, they don't care about how their access is really to downtown when it doesn't involve their job. So what I'm saying is, is that Columbus really needs to be a much more densely populated city, particularly in the middle part of the city for yeah. people to really buy into light rail. I think they should. I think that's something that Columbus needs to really kind of, you know, up its game to a, you know, past a, you know, slightly lower than Pittsburgh level city to more of a, you know, Chicago level city as far as the Midwest goes. But it really is, in my opinion, the mentality of Columbus residents and how we develop the city. And it, it can't be just expand, expand, expand. It's got to be build up the inner city and then hope that those suburb dwellers 
start to view themselves as Columbusites as opposed to somebody who lives in Dublin or somebody who lives in Westerville. So that's my take on that. I, 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 think, I think you're right. Really Unfortunately, mentality. the land goes on forever. Right, right. So, so and basically no what's like, happening, there isn't a point. And the other part of it is, is as you saw with like the Bridge Park area with Dublin, like they're going to, all those suburbs are going to do that. Yeah. They're going to well, build their own. Delaware, right. I yeah, mean, what's Delaware. The, you know? Yeah. There's no, there's no incentive other than your work. There's no incentive for you to go downtown anymore. If right. you're in Dublin, if you want great restaurants, you just go to bridge park. Right. Exactly. Like it, so they're already becoming their own little municipalities rather than part of the bigger Columbus good. So right. I, I don't think it would ever happen. I can't imagine it happening. I'd love to yeah, see yeah. one on 71 though. I would, I would use that weekly. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, as far as like an interstate rail system, I, I mean, God, a, a light, a, not a light rail, but a high speed rail system from Columbus to Chicago or Pittsburgh or Cleveland, any of those things would be, I mean, I'd be hopping on those things in a second. I yeah, think that would are, be nice. Like East Coast has trained culture, though. People are used to it. We don't. Right, exactly. And, and for me, it's a really big culture thing. I just, I mean, having lived in Japan and used trains like almost, you know, two or three times a week. Uh, you know, I did my honeymoon with my wife in, in Switzerland, Italy. Just the ease of use. So easy. How nice a better way to travel? And it's just, yeah. No stress. It, it, yeah. Sit back. It, it, enjoy. It's great. It's yeah, absolutely it great. And I really wish more people could experience it because, I mean, I've done Amtrak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably. I, I convinced my wife, Courtney to take an Amtrak from Cleveland to New York city. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. <laughs> She's still married. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's just, you get on these tracks and they're not graded out for passenger travel. I mean, you're freight. That's, that's what you are. And the train feels like you're freight and it's, it's not the same experience. And it's just, you know, I, well, it's she's and, a and very wonderful person for sticking with me after going through the cattle car stuff and in, in northern New York. And, and you're going around these turns at 100 miles an hour and you don't know whether the train's going to fall off the tracks or not. So, yeah. And the other um, problem is, is Amtrak doesn't own the lines. Burlington right. Northern owns the lines. So anytime that there's a Burlington Northern train that needs the lines, you got to sit and wait like you're at their mercy. So, yeah, it's, it's just not it's not ideal. But right. I, I wish we had it. I just cannot ever foresee it. Yeah, I just don't I agree. That. So, so that's ask us anything. Very thought for thought provoking questions this week. Yeah. I appreciate you guys sending them in. Please continue to do so, and we'll keep answering them. I love that uh, high school football one. I'm going to use that tomorrow on the radio show. That's a great question. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a fantastic question. All right, we are back next week. We will be into camp at that point. So, lots to look forward to there. Um, we look forward to that. So, I'll talk to you again next week, my friend. Yep. See you next week.